Chapter 28 The Man of Sorrows If the reality of two wills in our Lord as presented in passages of the Gospel poses a difficulty to our minds, there is a reality more mysterious still, the fact that our Lord could suffer in His will and in His human soul, even though consubstantially united to God. The depth of the mystery is expressed by Father Bonsevent. His unshakable, unchangeable resolution of loving obedience, while guaranteeing substantial holiness and a strict moral union of his wills, did not suppress the experience of interior sufferings and trials. The passion of the Savior is a great mystery. All the spiritual writers and all the theologians concur in saying that no one could suffer as much as our Lord Jesus Christ suffered. Yet the great mystery is that he could suffer while at the same time being rendered happy by the possession of the beatific vision in his human soul. St. Thomas Aquinas addresses this matter in questions 46-49 to 49 of the third part of the Summa, and also in his Compendium Theologiae. If there was sadness in Christ, then the other passions that are born of sadness were present also, as fear, anger, etc. The presence of that by which sadness is engendered in our soul also causes fear when we see an evil to come, and we become angry against someone whose blows have saddened us. Nevertheless, these passions in Christ were in a different way than they are in us. In us, most of the time, these passions precede the judgment of reason, whereas in Christ, they never exceeded the mode and manner fixed by reason. Rather, the inferior appetite, which is subject to passion, was not moved, save in the measure ordained by reason. It could happen that the soul of Christ, in his inferior reason, refused what, in the superior reason, he desired. St. Thomas makes a distinction between the inferior reason, which governs the senses and the body, and the superior reason, which reaches God, and lives with God and in God. There was not in him, however, any annoyance of appetites or rebellion of the flesh against the spirit. This rebellion occurs in us because the inferior appetite outstrips the judgment or transgresses the rule of reason. But in Christ, the inferior appetite was governed by the judgment of reason, for he allowed each of his lower faculties to follow its own movement only in the measure that he willed. In light of these considerations, it is clear that the superior reason of Christ fully experienced the pleasure and the enjoyment of its object, the beatific vision. For this reason, nothing could happen to him which would be a cause of sadness. The enjoyment of the beatific vision did not diminish Christ's passion, nor did the passion prevent this enjoyment, since there was no influence felt of one faculty upon the other, and each faculty was restricted to its proper object. It is in his inferior faculty, then, that our Lord suffered, and this explains the words which he spoke, Let this chalice pass me by. Father Sinav comments on this. 
to this explanation of St. Thomas on the coexistence in the soul of Christ of the Passion and the Beatific Vision, one might oppose two difficulties drawn from Holy Scripture. The first concerns the prayer of agony in the Garden of Olives, Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. My Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And the second concerns the declaration that Christ seems to suffer on the cross. Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is very interesting to see how St. Thomas replies to the first difficulty concerning the prayer of our Lord that the chalice pass from him, yet nonetheless that the will of God be done. He replies, Prayer is the expression of desire. Therefore, it is from the diversity of passions that the motive of the prayer Jesus made before his passion must come. My Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. By saying, Let this chalice pass from me, Christ expresses the movement of the inferior appetite and the natural desire by which everyone naturally flees death and craves life. It was the natural desire that our Lord had in Him, as we all have, to not die, to not suffer, to not have our life taken away. This was the experience of the inferior appetite. If He allowed it full expression, it was deliberately, in order to show that He was perfectly a man, and in order to show us and give us an example of the dominion which the superior appetite, the rational will, must have over the natural and sensible appetite. By saying, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, he expresses the movement of the superior reason which considers everything from the angle and under the ordering of divine wisdom. The superior appetite consents to the passion because it is moved by divine wisdom. As for the words of the Savior on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In his commentary on the Gospel according to St. Matthew, St. Thomas explains that they were taken deliberately from Psalm 21, which applies in its entirety to the Passion of Christ. Now the 21st Psalm is not a psalm of despair, but rather expresses firm sentiments of hope. Verse 25 Undoubtedly, the Lord appropriated to himself the sentiments of the psalmist. St. Thomas adds, If Christ cries out, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is by way of analogy. Everything we have, we have by God. When anyone is exposed to an evil, he describes himself as abandoned. That is why when God lets a man fall into the evil of sin or suffering, one speaks of abandonment. That is why Christ speaks of himself as abandoned. Regarding what concerns not the hypostatic union nor grace, but the passion. This dereliction of Christ on the cross is very well explained by Father Garigou Lagrange in the line of St. Thomas. This dereliction of Christ on the cross is very well explained by Father Garigou Lagrange in the line of St. Thomas. During the Passion, 
It was only the summit of the human intellect and will of Jesus that was beatified by the vision of the divine essence, while the less elevated part of his superior faculties and all his sensitive faculties were plunged in suffering at the sight of the sins of men and by the torments of the passion. The humanity of the Savior was thus like a mountain the summit of which is illuminated by the sun and looks upon a very calm blue sky, whereas in the less elevated parts the tempest rages and devastates everything. Let us learn in the school of the Savior to stand fast when undergoing trials, whether physical or spiritual, by keeping the summit of our soul unshakably attached to God by faith, hope, and charity. Mm -hmm.